I got a helicopter to take me out home to see things and I was flying over and see the cattle all bogged and it was horrific to see. And not only then, but afterwards they were all traumatised by how much water it was and of course they wouldn't come into water because they were too scared to, so we had to push them into water, you know, get them, get them to drink or they would have perished. It was terrible to see. I'm Teresa Hudson, coordinator of the Community Information Centre in Townsville. And in today's episode of Brave, I'm talking to Jeannie Clough. Jeannie is a single mother, grandmother, and the sole owner of Gideon Downs agricultural property outside Winton. We all know that farming isn't for the faint-hearted, and Jeannie gives us some insight into the challenges that she's faced, from finances and being a woman in a male-dominated industry to the unpredictable and sometimes cruel whims of Mother Nature. The Townsville Community Information Centre pays respects to the Koa, Woolgarugaba and Bindal people, the traditional owners of the lands where this episode was produced. We acknowledge their ongoing connection to the lands and waters of this country. Jeannie, thank you for joining me today. Are you born and bred in Winton or where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Winton. I was born in Winton. And you're a family of how many siblings do you have? I've got two sisters and four four brothers. Four brothers. So seven. Seven of us, yeah. What was life growing up in a house of seven, like with seven siblings? Or six Um, siblings, I should say. It was was good. Yeah, we all looked after one another. The the youngest ones were... They were a bit spoilt, we reckon, but yeah. are you, which are you the oldest or No, no, I'm I'm the third youngest. Yep. And they all reckon I was the I was the petty heart of the family. Because <laughs> I got my dad's name and my mum's name, so they reckon I I got everything. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> no, but our family property was between here and in Bullia, down on the Diamantina and of course, 180 kilometres out of town, so it was long where you come in for boarding school uh, in here at Winton. Was boarding school primary as well or just secondary school? We all come into school from six years old. What was that like as a six-year-old? It was tough, we thought, but that's what they had to do to get us to schooling, so... And I suppose did you know, like you knew no different, did you? Because no. being the third youngest, you would have seen your older brothers and sisters go before you. Yeah. So that was just the way it was. That's right. And there was five of us at school most of the time, but it was it was hard. It was we used to always watch mum and dad drive down the road, you know, away from us. Yeah, it was just tough. Yeah. What do you think were the biggest lessons that you've got to learn then during school? Like did, did, it, did it bring a sense of resilience to be able to have that from a young age or do you think it was more traumatic? Oh, well, from then on we went on to other boarding schools so, you know, there was no other way. Mum, mum couldn't teach us. She had her and dad had the property to run. And, yeah, so. What are some of the memories growing up? With your siblings and your family because all you had was the land outside. Oh, we used to always go over, um, we used to call it the board drain over, not quite a mile over from the house and walk for miles and miles in the in the mud because, you know, 
even then it was rain was just magnificent. The, yeah, we used to have fun doing that, and we used to have the bore where we used to get the water from. We, it was a mile and a half up or something, and we used to see who could get up to there first. And it was, you know, it was all outdoorsy sort of things. There wasn't much. Of course, after after lunch, you were never allowed inside any unless you were quiet because Dad had to have his nan and that. And um, sometimes as we got older, we had motorbikes, but there were quite a few, um, oh, you know, <laughs> bogs and things we used to get into. And then in the latter years, my youngest brother, Timmy, he um, got an ultralight aeroplane and he got a licence and then I got a licence and we used to fly and... How old were you when you did that? I was probably 30, 34 or something. Mm. That would have been cruel. Mm, was. Do you have children of your own, Jenny? I've got one daughter. What did school look like for she, her? She was at at home till year seven and then went to um, uh, All Souls in Charters Towers from year eight and year 12. And did that – so she was homeschooled up until then? Yeah. Did that did that decision come from your experiences as a child? I choose to do that because I, I think they get very good education through distance ed. And so we used to go to Longreach for school or what, whatever they did then and and had school of the air and all of that sort of thing. So. I spoke to a lady um, when we interviewed in Charters Towers and back in her time um, when they used to use the two-way radio to check in every morning when she was doing distance ed with her children. Was that like that for you? Yeah, always a radio. And then they got it on the telephone. They used to come up to the house from the schoolroom sometimes on the um, telephone but um, mostly on the radio, mm. yeah. So growing up for you on the land... Didn't obviously you enjoyed it because you've stayed on the land? Oh yeah, Wouldn't, yeah. Couldn't. And you've never felt the need to venture away? Um, not really. I, I've worked on properties around Winton, and um, not really. I just wanted to stay around, I suppose. What brings you to the land? What draws you and keeps you here? Oh, I just don't know anything else. I guess I, I have worked. In my earlier days was at the old bakery. I used to be a baker and then I come here to the neighbourhood centre and I used to be a um, home carer and what else have I done? Oh, I just did Jillaruin around Winton and, you know, just and I do some little jobs around town but not, you know. At, at the moment I do also um, mail runs a uh, couple of times a week, just as a side job, you know, just to get a bit of cash flowing. Yeah. yeah. So the yeah. So let's talk about the mail, like so, because we get the postman who comes and delivers our mail to our letterbox every day in Townsville. Yeah. So what is that? Um, uh, how does that work out here? Uh, well, get up pretty early and go to the post office, pick up all the mail and all of the groceries and everything that they've got on, and then you go. I've got one mile run I do on a Thursday where I drive for eight hours. I get in and out of the car 28 times, get in 28 times, get out 28 times, delivering mail, delivering opening gates and, you know, by the time you 
you get back, you're pretty well knackered. And does everyone have their time slot of when you arrive or is it? Uh, mostly unless you get a flat tyre or get bogged or something like that. You've got to be pretty, because it's long distances, 600 kilometres or something, you know, fair way. What do you do to keep you entertained on the road? It's it's pretty hard, actually. You think, oh, it's a cruisy job, but all you want to do is eat the whole time. That would <laughs> but be I have I have a um, I have my uh, library thing on my phone where I listen to stories and things like that. Yeah, I think you've either got to be a long distance driver or you're not. Like, oh, I'm not a long distance driver, yeah, yeah. and I can't drive long distances unless I'm listening to something. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah I fatigue really easy driving long yeah, distances. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, at night time sometimes it's, it's you know, not real flash but um, you don't run the mail at night, of course. But, but um, you know, it, it, it's fun. It gets you out of, you know, it's the same all the time but, you know, gets you and clears your head a bit. Mm. When you get to the houses to deliver the mail, do the people invite you in for a cup of tea while you're yeah, there? Yeah, lots of times So they that would do. be the plus side of being able <laughs> to see people and catch up and, yeah, and talk to Yeah, that's people. the only thing about it. You're on a fairly tight schedule and, you know, you only, you only got certain hours that you can be out sort of thing because the, the post office there only got certain hours that they get paid to do it too. So you just got to try and do it in that certain hours. But, yeah, you always get time to have a cuppa or whatever. So uh, you also are, you have your own property at the moment. Yes, that's true. Let's talk about that. So you do you run that property yourself? Yeah, I'm I'm there all the time by myself and my daughter Jodie and her husband Gavin, they run the sale yards in Winton here and they um they come out and help me and how many head of cattle do you have? At the moment not many. I'm feeding cattle at the moment because I've got no we've got no feed and um, I've only got, oh, I think I've got 150 or something. I sold half of the property to Jody and Gavin, so they got the other half and they've got a, around about the same too. Their paddock hasn't, is not as bad as mine and they're only just going to start to feed now. But, um, yeah, all the rest is, it's just had it. So if we go back two years... 2019 to the floods, that would have had a major impact. Yeah, we. Um, I was caught in town, and when I I got a helicopter to take me out out home to see things, and I was flying over and see the cattle all bogged and in the thing. It was horrific to see, you know. So, but and not only then, but afterwards, they they were all traumatized by how much water it was and, of course, they wouldn't come into water because they were too scared to, so we had to push them into water, you know, get them, get them to drink or they would have perished. It's just, uh, uh, yeah, it was terrible to see. In all your years on a cattle property, have you ever seen anything like this before? Um, 1999, when we were at, at Franklin, that was a big, big flood then. I moved into here in 2005. Um, we, we did move because of um, my parents had died and, and the place had to be sold up. Where was that? Was in Billawila, was it? No, out here at Bullia. Oh, Bullia, sorry. In, so between Winton and Bullia, down. Um, 
my dad passed away a good while ago and mum was the boss but um, then she passed away and then, of course, it was, um, you know, had to be split up so we all just sold up and moved to here. But there was big, big spaces, you know, and you didn't see cattle like that and, of course, you didn't have helicopters to see um, then but um, I hadn't seen it like that, you know. So you obviously lost cattle during that flood. Yeah, yeah. How have you been able to or were you able to rebuild and get back your stock? Um, well, this is the thing, you just get it all built up again. Like we got a um, thing from the government like everyone else and we restocked up but then we get droughts again. We just don't seem to be able to catch a couple of good seasons in a row. We just build our numbers up and then they, they're gone again. So I had my cattle on adjustment just this year just for... Three months, I think it was. What does that mean? Uh, we sent the cattle away to another place that had grass. Okay. And um, very lucky uh, relative of, of ours kindly asked us if we'd like to put the cows there for a while to get us out of trouble. We brought them back because they were starting to you know, run out of feed too or they needed it for their own selves. And I was hoping that it, it did grow a bit of feed at home, but of course that's all gone and we were, we were discussing whether we should send them on adjustment again, but I just can't do I just decided we'd just rather feed because we have fed other years and had them out on the stock route, which is right next to home, and we have them put a fence up and, and um, have them in there for a couple of months too sometimes for... It's just, uh, it just doesn't seem to want to um, get a run on that we can get a couple of years in a row that we can get a bit of bulk feed going. Yeah. So we're two and a half years after floods and you're talking the word drought. How long have you been in this situation now where it's gone from floods to no feed again? And, and... Well, it seems to be since I've ever been here, <laughs> in 2005. But we haven't really had too many good years since then. Not many at all. When we were at Franklin, it was there were droughts there. We sent the cattle away on adjustment too. So it's just this country. I think it's just a dry country, and you got to get used to it. You got to run it to its capability. I think mm. because you need Mother Nature to to keep it going in terms of bringing in the rain and being mm. able to get feed for the cattle. What else do you think would help? What else? What else are we missing? that would support farmers? Oh, I don't know. I better, better, you can't predict the weather and you just, I don't know. <laughs> if I knew I'd do it, I don't know. Yeah, that's a, no easy solution. No, I don't think so. Um, unless you knew ahead, I don't know how you would. Yeah, that that must be really hard because something that you need so badly is so out of your control. Yeah. <laughs> How do you cope? How do you get through this? What, like, year after year, you're still here, you're still doing it. How do you cope? How do you keep going? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I say to myself, what What are you doing? But oh, I don't know because we're born and bred here, I think. <clears throat> no, no, no different, I suppose. <clears throat> really is a good lifestyle when you, when it's going good and 
it's just a bit tough when you when it's not, but you get on with it. And I think that's with every life. But when you're regional out here and it gets tough, who do you turn to? Um, your family, friends, and um, you come to town, and and I suppose it, you meet up with people and. I'll always pull together if you're in trouble. I'll always someone will always help you. And I suppose that's what you got to do in a regional town, isn't yeah, it? Because I think so. um, you got to help yourself and help each other. Definitely. Yeah. Did you find that during the floods? Oh yeah, definitely. And the council council were unreal too. They really looked after us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's unbelievable. Like I don't know some people. I don't know how they the ones that lost so many stock. You know, nearly. 100% of their stock, I don't know how they really, really did cope, but I suppose like, in, we're very resilient and have to be, I guess. If you don't, if you can't um, handle it, get out. Or, or, or get help. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and I think that's what does a lot of people in is the mental, mental strain of it all. You know, it really does test you, but... If you go to and ask for help or, you know, if you don't think you're doing too good, in my case, just go to town and talk to someone about it. Yeah, because I suppose you're remote. It's not like you can lean over your neighbour's fence no. and go, hey. That's right. I need yeah. help. Yeah. You can always get on the phone but that's not really the same, I don't suppose. But mm. I, or, <clears throat> my sisters, I always, you know, get a help from them and, yeah, revitalise and get going again. <laughs> mm. What do you think has been the toughest thing for you in the cattle industry throughout your years? Um, I'm, a, I'm a single mother, so all of the um, decisions, I think, financial decisions and not having the um, partner there to, you know, run things and as... Jody got older, that's who I sort of bounced things off, but that probably. And in the in the later years, I think um, as you get older, you get uh, sicker or not sicker, but, you know, your health sort of gets gets in your way. <laughs> and so that, they've been a fair – I've had a fair few health challenges, so, yeah. So, so you've never found as a woman having to deal in a male-dominated cattle industry – you could take them on. Oh, I'm. I always find that um, a male will always like to deal with a male, and if you, I don't know, they just don't seem to take the female more serious than the men. But you just put them straight and tell them, well, this is how it is, you know. So that's awesome. How long do you think? you'll keep going in the cattle industry? Um, as long as my health will let me and I really, I've, I've scaled right down. Like I said, I only own half the place. It's not a real big place anyhow but, um, and, um, but yeah, as long as I can stay out there safely and just get around, do a little bit here and there and have Jodie and Gavin come out and help me and I've got three grandchildren and I, and when they um, they got to uh, weigh and weigh the cattle and everything and load cattle out, I always come in early early mornings, come in and look after the kids while they go up and do that. So, 
Nice. So JD's never ventured away either. She stayed here as well, or was she uh, gone and come back? Yeah, she's been away, been you know, like Ewenden way and out that way and out further. And of course, Jody was at boarding school, and Mum had been living in town here for a, a good while, and she hated it living in town. She wanted to be at home and. They used to gang up on me because I used to have to bring them into town to go to boarding school and go into into the um, aged care thing down here. Jodie and Mum used to gang up on me, bringing them into town. No, we're not going to town. <laughs> Makes me feel like a heel. But I got them bundled up and bring them in and they were the best of mates, Mum and Jodie. But anyhow, she's always come home. She always wanted to go uh, up the Territory and up that way, but it never happened. (laughs) I think your life has experienced a lot out in the regional towns. Yeah. And it's great to see that it still still keeps you here and and, um, you still love it. Yeah. Yeah, well, we don't know nothing else. And I suppose that's the key, isn't it? It's obviously not bad enough for you to want to go and know anything else. That's right. And and it's it makes it good that when you go on holidays, it's it's a holiday year. You know, it's something different. Have, have you ever been to the big cities? Oh, yeah. How do you cope? Oh, my second sister and um, I actually went to um, Africa. And, wow. And that was unbelievable. Um I hated the cities. Like, well, that that was scary. though, you know how those cities are. But in the wildlife parks, you know, and the animals, unbelievable thing. Oh, you <coughs> sat there in the car, looking, sat there and looking at the giraffes and all that, and thinking, "Am I really here?" You know, it's just unbelievable to think about it. Yeah. Um, I grew up on a cane farm, and uh, about nine years ago, we had to go to Brisbane. Um, our whole family went to Brisbane for a wedding. So my dad, um, who had never, you know, very rarely had ventured out of the farm yeah. and a small little town, um, when we got to the Brisbane CBD and the traffic lights changed and everyone just walks across the road and everything was going everywhere, my dad was just, he, he didn't cope, <laughs> he was not okay. <laughs> and um, he was very much freaking out. And yeah, we, um, and all, we were all the same. And that's when we realized, mm. yeah, we're not a city family. Yeah, <laughs> I don't drive there. I, I don't even um, like driving in Townsville. I sometimes. Uh, drive myself up there for medical reasons because I've just had two knee replacements. And Did you have them both done at the same time? Yeah. How'd you go recovery with that? Oh, I'm still recovering. Oh, true. Yeah. Not a good recovery? Or? No, oh, not a good, good recovery, no. Um, I go to the first motel I can get to that's closest to the hospital I drive to the hospital. <laughs> I know that feeling too. When I moved to town, so when we moved to Townsville, where we moved to, there was um, like a shopping centre, like Woolworths was close, a hairdresser, a butcher, the news agent, everything was in walking distance. Yeah. So for eight months, I stayed <laughs> in that little part and did not venture out. Yeah. Oh, I used to drive in Townsville. I was, I was quite cool about it, but. Um, yeah, I think your nerves drive anywhere out here and, and you know, drive up anything or, you know, but in the city it just gets me. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose out here you've got to also worry that if you drive too far out of town and you, your car breaks down or flat yeah. or bogged, 
um, like there's very limited services or, or for help no, to get you out of that. Um, those sort of things I can handle, but the people and the and the cars and all that, they they're the ones that make me a bit doughy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. No worries. What's on for the rest of the day today? Um, I've got to go. Um, I've got to go and see a man about selling my car. I've just sold my car. One of these days, when it stops being drought, I've bought myself a caravan. So I'm going to go do a little tour. Or t- oh, good on you! And then I'm going to go home and feed my cows. BRAVE is jointly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. This podcast is produced by Damien Lawarden.